Welcome to 28ish. We're a podcast dedicated to making space for menstrual cycles, cyclical living, divine feminine power, and everything in between. We get into the details of periods, hormones, cycle tracking, feminine business prowess, and every other aspect of being a bleeding person. I'm your host, Carrie McKinnon. I'm a menstruality mentor and the CEM, Chief Executive Menstruator at 28ish. Be sure to check us out at 28ish.com to see our cycle tracking art and feel free to leave us a comment letting us know what cycle day you're on. Thanks for listening and remember, your cycle is more than your period. Today we're here with Shanique Allen. She's a nourishment strategy and mindset coach on a mission to help women liberate themselves from the obsessive pursuits and mindset of diet culture. She does this so they can reclaim nourishment, health, and joy in every aspect of their lives. Welcome, Shanique. Hi, thank you for having me, Carrie. (laughs) Very excited to have you on the show today. Tons of things to ask you. Um, I've been researching you and, and looking and you're, you're everywhere and you're using these wonderful uh, words like undiet and <laughs> seem to really be on um, a very driven and heartfelt mission. So thank you for coming on the show to talk about this for the listeners. Thank you for having me. Would you mind telling us a little bit just about you personally, like your background and kind of your story and, and what's led you here to, to what you're doing today? All right. So I'm Jamaican, uh, born and bred, and I now live in Washington State. And I am a, interestingly enough, I'm a trained economist. Um, (laughs) uh, And I did that, plus also worked in corporate um, finance, and I worked in tech um, with data. So I'm a geek, if you want to call it that. I love that. Just, you know, in terms of school and what I went to school for. However, I got into fitness. Um, I played college in, 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 I played, I played a sport in college. Okay. And one of the things that I needed to do was get stronger. And my coach had said, in order for you to be a better player, and I was trying to get to the national team, mm-hmm. he said you needed to get stronger. So I had gotten injured actually and needed to, you know, heal from that. So he's like, you get strong so you can be a good contender for making the national team. So I joined the gym and things changed after that. And I started to get more involved in fitness mm-hmm. and I saw the change in my body, saw the change in my game and kind of just dived full, you know, head on, went head on into it and exploring it. And from that, got into competing in bodybuilding. And was that I mean, your initial st- sport bodybuilding no no, okay. no no it was volleyball so okay I played I, I was a multi-sport athlete but volleyball was my love and I got into that and when I got into the gym and it changed my body physically mm-hmm. um, I also got a little stronger for my game and all of that but the physical change was the impressive part and I'm saying impressive here in quotations and that was the catalyst, I suppose, for me diving headfirst into fitness and, you know, health. And then I just kind of snow, it snowballed from there into me becoming an instructor and then a personal trainer. And I was just all into 
health and wellness. And I'm putting it in quotation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some massive shifts since then. So okay. that's how I got into it. Where I am now is a, a series of many events and transitions. But um, for the short story is I got into dieting for a while, for a long time and picked up some habits as far as, you know, restricting food and making sure that it was about maintaining a particular physique. Mm-hmm. And while that was a nature of the sport I was in, which is bodybuilding, it became something that I kind of tried to adopt or I adopted it into my normal way of living. So outside of competition, my life was about making sure I ate a particular way, trained a particular way, and I was very regimented in that. But when life started to happen in certain ways, I started to experience certain transitions and shifts, it became untenable. So I could maintain this strict and rigid way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where I was like, no, something's got to give because mentally it was not particularly helping me. And then I started to explore what it meant, what it would mean to move away from that. Mm. scary stuff having done it for years yeah but slowly started to do that and then when things came to a head because I had ailing parents um you know getting married a couple of things happening one after the other I and out of this I actually started my own business mm. in fitness and health and then add to that stress burnout from doing things on my own for a long time it just became too much. And I was like, this can't, this is not sustainable. The way I was trying to maintain the rigidity and the diet and the restrictions, it just couldn't, I couldn't sustain it. So I decided to just burn everything I thought I knew about health to the ground and start from scratch. And by that, I meant focus more on me. So it was ditching dieting, undieting, but before I could undiet, I had to kind of unlearn a couple Mm -hmm. of things. And one of them was that my health was not just about the way I looked. It was just not about the rigid eating. In fact, health, it wasn't healthy. Um, I developed disordered eating habits. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was the kind of thing that kind of, I would say for want of a better phrase, shines a light on, okay, this is not particularly healthy, despite me preaching and talking about health all the time, my behaviors were not, in fact, as healthy as I thought they were. So I had to redefine health for myself, particularly when dealing with ailing parents and what it meant for me as well. Yeah. So a complete perspective shift, which brought me to, which brought me to here now, where I am just all about nourishing myself in the simplest of ways possible to suit my life and it's not about the physical transformation it's not about you know maintaining and upholding a particular ideal which is what that culture promotes and pushes Mm -hmm. it's about nourishing your body in the best way possible so you can show up in life the way you want to Uh, that's yeah very powerful (laughs) very powerful I, I think I get it Definitely. And I love your use of this term, undieting and unlearning and unschooling. Um, you know, it's this deconstructing our our habits and our entire experience, an entire way that we've learned to be. You know, it can be kind of a confronting process. Um, I think it sounds pretty amazing that you saw I mean I imagine especially in something like bodybuilding which is so like 
your body is what's being judged, right? <laughs> like your physique, the the poses you hold, um, like weightlifting, was that a part of it? Or was it more just like the posing? Well, I mean, the, the posing piece was just one small piece. That was okay. a show day type of thing. Yeah. And you'd practice that, yes. But from for the most part, the bodybuilding lifestyle was about the gym and making yeah. sure you ate a certain number of meals a certain way. You need to avoid, you know, quote unquote, what I, I mean, in hindsight, it's regular food, but in the bodybuilding space, it's considered unhealthy, you know, unless you're having like quote unquote cheat days, which, yeah, you know, it was, a, it was really just giving yourself the permission to binge eat. <laughs> That's yeah. what that was. Yeah. Um, and it, it became just something that I couldn't identify with anymore or because I was changing or transitioning, mm-hmm. it didn't fit with or didn't align with the values that I had yeah and with bodybuilding it was really just about what they call taking care of yourself really is just I don't know how else to explain it without offending people those who are genuinely not like this in the space but it's just a way to be a little obsessive about Mm. your body your physique um no that's considered taking care of yourself yes okay yes taking care of yourself making sure you know you maintain your muscles you're eating a particular way making sure you're drinking this amount of water you're getting you know a certain amount of sleep and a lot of it is focused on those hours in the gym or the amount of time you spend putting your meals together so -hmm. it's almost like your life is reduced to eating on a schedule and working out yeah yeah that's that's pretty intense that's what it that, that's what it was no don't get me wrong there are people who have lives outside of that but to be in the sport yeah it really boils down to to that yeah. at least that's that was my experience then I'm not saying it's everyone's experience I'm just saying that was my experience and that was my impression and what I took away from it and at some point it became something that I could no longer sustain and say that. I was taking care of myself because it led to me having disordered ways of eating. And it took me a while to even note that my way of eating was disordered. I think it's pretty amazing that you did, you know, that you kind of, in a sense, it sounds like you, you broke free from something where the disordered eating, the obsession about your actual physical image is like literally what you're, it's the thing you're supposed to do, what you're rewarded for. And you took a huge step back from that. You've mentioned a couple of times that what led you to that step back was other things in your life. Yeah. Like you were in a state of transition somehow. Yeah. So did that kind of give you the distance you needed from you, from what you were doing? Yeah. it's a case where these transition forced that step back. It wasn't something where like, oh, well, I'm going, no. It's like, it's either you find a way to, you know, wrangle your life into, take your life and fit it into this box of me trying to maintain this particular lifestyle or break free of the box of trying to maintain that lifestyle and focus on, you know, at the time it was surviving life as it was with the transitions that were happening and then after that it became making it you know a little more 
my life less hectic um, mm-hmm. because things were changing and you needed to mental clarity to work through things. Um, there was grief involved, so we're processing that as well. So to do all of that meant that something had to give and it would have been trying to stick to this thing or find a way to navigate this new transition, this new period, this new set of challenges. And it was easier or it just made that easier. It made sense. I, I will not say it was easier because you spend quite a bit of time for so long doing this one thing to suddenly stop doing it for something else or let me just say to just stop doing it create some distance create some kind of disconnect you're like okay I need to navigate all of this now without focusing on this food and the fitness you know how do I do that so I wouldn't say it's easier but it just was this thing that needed to to go at the time yeah wow how long did that take you I mean now you're helping other humans do that (laughs) right (laughs) so how long did it take you to kind of get the hang out of that coming out of such an like an intense you know mindset how long did that mindset shift take you it's still happening yeah (laughs) um so we're in 2022 let's say the better part last I'd say the last eight years total okay but but intensely the last five yeah that's some major deconstructing happening <laughs> yeah you were in deep <laughs> I mean you spend your 20s I, I mean because I got yeah. into this when I was in my 20s and that's the better part of 13 years yeah in that kind of lifestyle yeah and at the same time working corporate is that right yeah, so I was working corporate. So I worked worked corporate, and then I started my little business on the side. So mm-hmm. it was do that in the early morning, take care of clients, take care of my own training, then go to work, and then do it again in the evening until I shift transition completely to doing it. Became you know it was no longer my side hustle and became the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think also one of the things that's so um, cool about what you did was that and that you're you, you're talking about is like, I had this business and anyone that owns a business knows, you know, how much we fall in love with the businesses that we have and the work we're doing. So being able to say, like, put in a few years of it and then be like, this is not it. I have to stop this and go in a different direction like that's a really hard and brave thing to do yeah um and I made that twice like so corporate to doing my own thing where I went so I was a personal trainer group fitness instructor and I did consulting corporate wellness as well Ah. and that became my thing however I was still very much steeped in the diet culture and pursuing bodybuilding and all of that and burnout was something that that was the demise of that phase of my right. life right um because burnout happened I was I left a cushy corporate job um to work 24 7 because yeah. zero boundaries um you know just trying to get this business and maintain this business because you're a solopreneur yeah and then 
burnout was also that also contributed to me starting to step away having experienced that burnout so when all of that came to a head and I it was gonna be I ended up migrating to the U.S. then I was like okay I just burned everything again to like I just burnt things I'm like okay my business I'm just gonna shut that down and I did like I just shut everything down and went cold For a little bit because I realized I was like really burnt out and at the same time going through the transition of not just migrating but losing my dad suddenly my mom's health turned taking a turn mm. um, for the work so you know all of that kind of added to that need to step back that need to change course that yeah. need to re-examine some things and unlearn things so it was not an easy process and it's something that I have had to do over and over and over because you reevaluate yep. things ever so often. So yeah. that burn, I left that business, left corporate, then launched on my own and then burnt that to the ground. And then yeah. here I am again doing this in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing of burnout, um, is very real. And like you said, it's kind of like this ongoing, you've got to reevaluate and reevaluate. I think anyone that's, that's been through burnout, I know like I myself experienced it, um, last year, is it earlier this year? No, last year, the, at the very mm-hmm. end of 21. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people talk about burnout and then, but I think you, you don't really get it until you find yourself like, yeah doing something crazy like walking out of a six-figure job with no income and just like I don't even care <laughs> like I don't I can't like for me it was like I became nearly non-functional I would say and it, it was scary it was like but I didn't even care I was that burnt out that I just simply didn't care just shut down and, and bur- burnout is a thing where first of all recognizing it, it is not as easy as people. No, it's become a little more, um, people are a lot more cognizant of it and even willing to call it out and to see this yeah. is what it is. However, I mean, for the longest time, even just the idea of it was, the, the idea of burnout was nowhere near my mind. Why? Because culturally you're taught to push through, like you just have yep. to make things happen. You just have to buckle down you just have to grill and bear it or you know rest yeah. at some you know take your little rest here and there but it's just part and parcel of you know working for yourself or just being an adult yeah let's put it that way so even calling it burnout wasn't something that I was accustomed to it took a while for me to you know recognize that that's what it was mm-hmm. And yeah. to accept it that, okay, it just meant that you were just carrying a lot by yourself without help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then also to have the courage to make those big changes, you know, but, but I get it too. Like, again, like for me coming out of burnout has been a trial and error kind of thing. Like, okay, is this going to work for me? I'm I'm willing to try it, but like, I'm more acutely aware now than I've ever been when something's not working that I have to stop doing it you know it's almost like the edges you you like get to an edge yeah it's like a live wire like 
Mm, yeah. I'm a little close to this. You feel the energy of it and you're like, okay, no, you're not going to go there because having been there, I have a friend that says, you know, when I feel burnt around the edges, crispy around the edges is what she says. <laughs> when you start that. to feel, when you start to feel crispy around the edges, then you know that things are, yeah, you need to find a way to temper that, to step away from that, to take a step back, slow down. Yeah. Would you mind talking a little bit about your relationship with your menstrual cycle? This is a question that I find to be such the perspective of professional and competitive athletes have such a rich perspective on. Well, before I even talk about being a competitive athlete, I do remember when I first got my period. I will okay. never forget it. And I remember lying on the, and I'm, I'm not somebody that remembers a lot of things as a child, um, okay. but I do remember it. I got it early, what was considered early. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the, I was at home with my grandmother and I didn't even tell her. Uh, I know I told her that I was having a stomachache and the remedy at the time was if you have a stomachache, you drink ginger tea. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, cause my, you know, old folks, like, like my grandparents or my grandmother yeah. will tell you there's a bush tea for everything, right? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So if the, you have some ailment, there's a bush tea for that. So ginger tea was was the thing at the time. And I remember curled up on the carpet in the living room. Um, I don't think my, my mom, my, I don't think my mom was home. I think my grandmother is who I was with. Um, I was like, this is just, so I had, I had got no talk of, of, of period. Yeah. I, I had no, my mother I don't recall my mother having a conversation with me other than I think it may have been my bigger sister who may have said you know well here you gotta wear pads yeah <laughs> I'm not sure if my biggest story was my mother I honestly don't remember but the point was I do not remember having a conversation with her I don't remember being told about what to expect it was just a matter of okay you're gonna be bleeding once a month. That was it. Yeah, and you just deal Surprise. with it. Surprise! <laughs> you just deal with it. So, yeah. But for me, funny enough, is I do remember for the longest time, maybe until maybe until I was thirty years old, I never tracked my period. Mm. I mm-hmm. just knew when it was coming. Like my body just told me when it was coming, and. I'd be like, all right, I feel it. It's, you know, it's about right about you're, here. You're intuitive about it. Okay. Yeah, it's, you know, it's right about here. So I would either be on the money, like, okay, I'm going to see this tomorrow, or it's within a couple of days. I could yeah. tell. But I never could, I never did the calendar tracking. I was never taught that. I okay. knew nothing about that. Okay. And it wasn't until I got. And I, I I changed contraception to an IUD. Mm-hmm. And that I started to trap my period. And was the I, IUD a hormonal or non-hormonal? No, no, non-hormonal. So it was like the, the copper? Yeah. Yeah, I had that for years. That's intense uh, because you bleed like crazy when you it, get it. it. And then it, for a long time. <laughs> changed my period then because I could no longer tell. I just knew what happened was I would just have a sudden onset of menstrual cramp. And then, yeah, that was it. Before, I wouldn't get the cramps until after my period started. Mm-hmm. So with the IUD, I was like, okay, well, I can't predict when it's coming now. So I started to track. That was when I was 30, 
think I was 34. Okay. Well, when I started track, I'm 42 now. Right. Okay. So tracking was something I didn't start doing until then. Knowing the phases wasn't something I understood until in my thirties either. Yeah. It was just nothing. Some it was just never brought up in conversation. It was never something that we were empowered to learn, other than to know that okay, your period is your period. Life goes on. Yeah. So as an athlete, because I could tell when it was coming for me, it was just okay. Just have yourself ready. And just be prepared for when it comes and life goes on, literally. So I would have my intense training day. I would have, I used to train four to five times a week, volleyball that is in addition to going to the gym and stuff like that. So it never, for me, it was the nuisance and I use nuisance loosely. It was just the thing that you just had to deal with and move Mm -hmm. on. That's how I treated my period. When I started to have extremely low body fat, it shifted a little bit where it became not irregular so much as very short. Mm-hmm. So when I when I had my calories pretty low and I had really low body fat at the time, I got really sharp periods. I mean, like one to two days. Yeah, right? that's that vital sign right there. And then, but because my energy started to get a little affected, I kind of um, recognize that, okay, maybe there's some connection still, even though I may, I had that in that, recogn- mm. that realization, I was like, okay, but still what it meant was maybe I didn't have as much energy for training. So I would just drag during training yeah. or I would cut my, my training time in the gym in half or um, I wouldn't teach the entire class. I would just teach half of it and then just instruct for the rest of it. So I may not have intentionally done things, but intuitively my body was like, okay, I might be, depending on the phase I was in, um, I do recognize that I had those low energy periods. Yeah. But because life goes on, this is how it is that you're taught as a woman, um, at least how I grew up and the culture I lived in. No one talks about your period. Mm. Is it really stigmatized in Jamaica? Or was it when you were growing up? It's not so much stigmatized. As it, well, I guess it's it's just common that women don't talk about it unless you're around other women. But mm. even with your parents or with your elders, even your grandmothers, your aunt, you don't, like, it's not something like we have open discussion. I mean, we're on a podcast talking about peers here. It's yeah. not something that <laughs> my aunts or my grandmother would talk about with me. It's just, yeah. well, it's just something you're a young lady now. So the only thing you need to be concerned with is the fact that you can't get pregnant. Yeah. That's really it, you know? So um, as an athlete, for me, it was just this thing that I had to deal with. I would play with cramps. I mean, sometimes cramps are really bad, but I'm an athlete. So it's pop a painkiller yeah and go just power on power through yeah so there was no there was no consideration of fact that it had low periods you know I had this time of the month this time of the cycle you know you're going to be really strong and your energy is going to be you know your strength is going to be through the roof your energy is going to be through the roof so you can do it no none of that none of that was considered none of that was talked about none of that was learned at least from my perspective however what I did notice was or what changed for me or what kind of made period something for me to at least just consider 
in terms of how it affected me, however slight, was I had a friend who had really bad cramps and then found out that she had endometriosis. And mm-hmm. I will never forget like just the impact that that had on her. I mean, to the point where we'd have to take her to the hospital, like mm-hmm. two of us, and this was in college. And it was just, I'm like, women do go through that. And then I started to learn about other women with fibroids and how we're moving, you know, those fibroids how it had an impact on them yeah and it's just through those experiences that I learned more about the menstrual cycle still I was not tracking because as far as I was concerned I had a normal cycle that I could tell so why did I need to track Um, yeah it sounds like also you um you knew your body really well even though you were pushing it to the brink, it sounds like in those years you knew your body because you said like you would just know a couple days before, but that's because I, or what I'm seeing, understanding, imagining is that it's because you, you don't know your body so well and how you're going to perform that, you know, if that little bit is off there, you know, so you know that, you know, that it's going to, you know, that's coming. Yeah, it is. But the, the thing with, even with knowing that, there was still the expectation to keep things normal. So let's use yeah. my volleyball, for example. I would be having really bad cramps. Back would be, you know, tight. And I would feel a particular way. But the expectation is my ass needs to be on the court. And if I've got yep. games this weekend, I need to be put in. I need to have come with the same energy, come with the same strength, yep. come with just perform normally. So it was a case of, you put that aside, whatever you're going through, put it aside. You got to play. Yeah. I think that's our, our generation. I'm a similar age to you. And I think that that is like kind of what was happening then. And in a way, like in feminism, it was kind of what was happening then. Like I can do everything a man can. and I don't need to make adjustments for my period. Come on. I can power through it. And you know, it's not, it doesn't lead to necessarily like a terribly negative relationship with the cycle. If anything, like it's, it's a neutral stance on it. Like this isn't, this doesn't hold me. I don't hate it because it doesn't hold me back because it Mm -hmm. doesn't hurt because I'm fine because everything's normal, you know? Um, But it's certainly not the best relationship with the cycle in terms of like honoring it and giving it space. And this whole thing you have of undieting and unlearning that theme for you really resonates with me because like my journey in menstrual cycle awareness was a massive unschooling and my unlearning that I had to do and my unschooling was in being able to see and understand myself as a cyclical person and that being okay like claim like taking that space like no I'm not the same all the time and no I'm not going to be able to like keep up the the running routines that I have all month long there's going to be days where I don't want to do it and my body doesn't want to do it and that's okay <laughs> you know like giving myself permission I think that that's something that like we've talked on this podcast before about in, intuitive eating and you know this nutrition thing that that's a huge part that, like where menstrual cycle awareness and like let's say healthy relationships with with food like there's intersection there in terms of listening to the body making it okay yeah um and it's and it's it's something that's missing from the the 
I wouldn't say just the health and wellness space, but let's let's go with that because that's the realm where we're in. Yeah. Um, that intuitiveness, that t- trusting the intuitiveness um, and tapping into it and utilizing it. But something you said, which I completely agree with, is recognizing that your body as a menstrual, as someone who menstruates yeah. or has a menstrual cycle, your body and you are not the same all month long. Like, the seasons, the cycle. I myself, now that I'm recognizing just how much of a cyclical person I am, and I, I, I wasn't using the word cyclical before, I was just using seasonal, right? because I do have my seasons. So I know during the summer, I'm completely scatterbrained. I'm not focused at all on work. I just want to be outside where it's sun, where sunshine is, is 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 bright and yeah. days are bright and there's activity and I want to be out there. Winter yeah. time, I am not used to winter. Um, once it hits, you know, that cold period, I just want to be under a blanket all day. My mood is low, my energy is low. And I live in a place where it's dark for however many months of yeah. the year. So <laughs> add that to it, makes it even more so. And it wasn't until moving here five years ago um, that I realized just how much. I was a sea. My body is a seasonal being. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Because yeah. even when I lived where it was sunshine, twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty four days out of the year, I do recall having moments when I was not particularly, you know, as energetic as I normally am. However, I pushed myself to be that way because it was one was expected and two it didn't it gave me the opportunity not to sit and think about the things I didn't want to think about or to take the moment to look at the other side softer side the kinder side it was always just go 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 so this whole matter of being cyclical and it being okay is something that I'm just leaning into yeah truthfully in the last couple of years and the more I lean into it is the more I realize yeah even throughout from a month-to-month basis there are certain I have it on my calendar I have productive week <laughs> yeah <laughs> I literally have those labels yeah because that, I know and that's in- what that's what menstrual cycle awareness so if you're already doing that and trying to like find your your thing and this is the thing like I'm always like I I can't tell you what your inner summer properties are only you can know that because if I try to tell someone that it's going to be wrong because you know people have different things in their different seasons but um yeah that kind of tracking of your productivity or how you feel about your business how you feel about your podcasting that you're doing you know how you feel about content creation or working with clients or your personal relationships like all of that to me I track it back to my menstrual cycle because I'm always kind of cycle tracking of which day I'm on. And like, that's the, that's the power in it. I've realized like, actually I'm not some like unpredictable, crazy, different all the time type of woman. I'm actually pretty darn predictable. It's just on a different um, pattern. It's on a, it's on kind of a monthly cycle, (laughs) a 28 ish (laughs) day cycle. Um, that we're not taught about, you know, and unfortunately, yeah. I I didn't really connect with that understanding until I was well into my 30s. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> so that's part of the unlearning and relearning, you know, yeah. um, which is something that I 
I work heavily with clients in in uh, working through rather because mm-hmm. most people when they get by the time they get to be for working with me they are already aware of the fact that they're pretty aware of the fact that for them what they've been doing has not been working and it's not yeah. about the the diet it's about the way they think about themselves it's the beliefs that they've had and they have some unlearning to do so in the process of undieting we focus on shifting beliefs examining beliefs and shifting them where they need to shift in order Mm -hmm. to better serve um clients as far as what their values are and where they want to go with their health with their life in general because it's not just about food Um, and that's also part of the unlearning piece because even though the program is under your nutrition it's really about nourishment in and of itself and Mm -hmm. that may include food but it will more more than likely include other things as well and other things like what it may I mean it's not just food it's not just exercise we're talking about you know things like maybe sleep we're talking about you know things like the relationships that people might be in, whether they're mm-hmm. setting boundaries, whether they're um, their views of what taking care of themselves mean and redefining what that might look like or what that needs to look like. Because the other thing that I deal with too is, and this signature with the folks that I work with, these people are also in some kind of transition. So mm-hmm. whether it's they've had a career shift, whether they are, you know, post, you know, starting a family, postpartum, or, you know, whether they're starting a business or whether they're now empty nesters, there is some kind of transition that requires the mindset shift because what they used to do were the dieting and forcing their bodies to, to fit an ideal of ideal quote unquote look of health. Mm-hmm. They recognize that it is so much more than the way their body looks and it's so much more than punishing themselves with exercise. There are so many other things and aspects of their wellness that they are not accounting for and they want to account for because they are a whole person they don't just eat and exercise yeah yeah so it's like understanding they're in different seasons and working with the seasons that they're in I love that very cool so yeah transition seems to have played a large role in your personal journey and then so kind of an uh, most of your clients you said are in a stage of transition as well yeah and that kind of kind of just happened it wasn't it and it, the common thread wasn't found until you know I did my whole framework and recognized yeah. the thread <laughs> between folks but why I ended up focusing a lot on quote-unquote nourishment and the mindset specifically is because in working with nutrition clients because a lot of them came to me with wanting to have better eating habits and mm. you know nourishing themselves better with food what we found was much of their struggle wasn't about food at all. It was mm. rather about the mindset, the beliefs, and the perspective they had around health that led to the habits that they developed. Um, and in some cases, maybe they had disordered eating habits. Um, but what tends to happen is that in trying to build the habits, much of the works is centered around making space for adding the things they need, the things that, you know, like the rest, the sleep, getting help and the support, you know, creating better boundaries. So they, in, you know, they incidentally know a lot about food. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to do a lot of work around. Okay, people know what vegetables are. People know what protein. Right. 
Right. Know, know how, people actually know how to feed themselves. Like they know what a balanced meal is, but it's the idea of what it needs to look like for them to be quote unquote healthy. That is where the shifting happens. That's where we look at the, the beliefs. That's where the unlearning happens. So, you know, this whole thing of needing to, maybe in some cases with a lot of people that they feel that they're out of control because out of control because they're allowing themselves to have certain foods and they never used to allow themselves to have it so now they're just like going all in on it and we work through that so there is some um tapping into intuition there so recognizing that a lot of people aren't trusting of their intuition because of the years spent not trusting it mm-hmm. so trying to regain that trust now it's like climbing a hill you know it's it's not an easy thing and it takes work so that's how I ended up doing this work um yeah it's not about food for a lot of people it's really about the undieting and the unlearning so that they can nourish themselves better without yeah. these diet rules in the back of their head because a lot of people live by diet rules where they come from god knows some diet that they've tried and then they're just trying to maintain it only to realize it's not sustainable with the lives that they have and yeah. they're not to mention the season, because it doesn't work necessarily for their life full stop, but it more so doesn't work when there are shifts, when there are transitions, when yeah. they move into different seasons. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, and part of, that's part of that how you know diet culture can be so toxic. And people can it sounds like though you're talking about something bigger than being on a diet, but more like people that have maybe internalized the diet (laughs) you know or internalized all these really these rules like and I saw this on maybe it was on your Twitter of like don't like take the power away from these foods or you know stop putting these foods on a pedestal and just call them for what they are right like stop giving them so much power yeah because you're like good food bad food you know is that what you yeah 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 when putting foods on pedestal pedestals is really because of the way food has been moralized or higher or placed on a hierarchy you have your good foods Mm -hmm. you have your bad foods and as a result people people have heightened sense of um one second sorry did not put my phone on (laughs) that's okay Okay, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Sorry. Good foods and bad foods. Right. So having people putting foods on a pedestal, you know, classifying them as good as bad, classifying them as healthy and unhealthy. Like, okay, so you have this food that's unhealthy and you have this food that is healthy. No, yes, you have foods that provide more nutrition than others. But that moral assignment of food um, that happens with food is what makes it hard for people to be neutral with food like you have foods that are far more nutritious and yeah. more helpful in so many ways and then you have the foods that have nothing to do with nutrition but they do provide a place in satisfaction because food is more than just nutrition nutrients right yeah. and that is missing from diet culture diet culture says that well if you enjoy food for any other reason than nutrients you're yeah. doing it wrong yeah 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 and it's it's a much larger experience than that um and plays a much larger role in our lives 
another thing that I saw that you've kind of put out in the world is this call to not don't ignore your engine light. What what's that about? <laughs> oh, that was a blog post I did, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, oh, what was I talking about? Well, I mean, I'll, I can let you think about it. I, I latched onto it because there's that, it's that link with menstrual cycle awareness again, or the way that I try to live and practice living is exactly that listening to your body, you know, ah, like yes. when the engine light comes on, yes, don't ignore yes, it or your car yes. is going to break down. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, that is true. I remember writing that. Yes. And I did make that analogy about the service engine light um, being on, like how long you ignore it before yeah. you get it looked at. It's when the car, you find yourself stranded. Then you're like, okay, I have no choice but yeah. to do something. But the point is the signs are often there mm. and we ignore it again from us let's look at when you know you're going through your period as a young person or young mm -hmm. woman you ignore the pain you ignore the low energy and just say you know suck it up you have to keep moving you have to keep doing things but the body as strong as it is is also in need of that downtime in need of that care in need of that preventative maintenance mm -hmm. for want of a better phrase mm -hmm. and I find that a lot in the work that I do but also in in many experiences, like many instances and with folks in my life, you know, they ignore the pain that might be showing up far more often, ignore the headaches, ignore the irritability, ignore yeah. the fact that, you know, the sleep is not so great, why it's not so great. And we keep ignoring these things and they add on and they add on until sometimes we just break. But yeah. unlike car parts, you cannot, that you can replace, yeah. you can't replace you. So um, the, the call for that post I put up was do not ignore the signs. Mm -hmm. Even if you can't go all in for a full check, the idea here is to, when something pops up, to act, to take a, take a look. Even mm -hmm. if, you know, a cursory glance, say, okay, this doesn't feel great. Let me keep an eye on it. Mm. As I opposed to, Mm, all right I'll just move I'll just keep going yeah I I have to practice that with like I get um fever blisters mm -hmm. right and so mm -hmm. that's always a good or like powerful indicator for me of what's happening with my immune system because mm -hmm. I get them when my immune system is somehow compromised and I feel them before they erupt like they'll be like a little tingling on my lip and you know my my um, older sisters actually taught me how to uh mitigate that she figured out a hack like I just take like a bunch of L-lysine mm -hmm. that um supplement vitamin mm -hmm. whatever it is I don't know I guess the vitamin L-lysine um but as soon as I feel it you know and, and it, it's so I'm latching onto that with what you're saying like don't it, it because if I ignore it it's a full bone fever blister that is yeah. going to be painful for like two full 10 days, two full weeks. So like I've had to learn with that, with that particular example that like, yeah, we feel the tingling, like do stop and act immediately. Do not just yeah. ignore it and think it's going to go away. Yeah. I mean, I align, I align it to say, I like, I like, what's the word? 
I'm I'm bumbling over this word. You're alive. <laughs> I'm, I'm a like likening it. Likening, okay. Likening it to making small checks. You know, mm-hmm. like every now and then you take a look under the hood of your car. It's the same thing here. You might not be a mechanic, but yeah, um, with your car enough, the hope is that you understand when check the fluids at least. Feet, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you know things like small boundaries that you set, setting them and enforcing them. Um, yeah passing off some of the work to somebody else. So the small mm. checks might not even be a physical manifestation. It could be just your energy levels. It could be just not being able to, not wanting to get up out of bed, your motivation, that type of yeah. thing. It could mean, you know, getting some help. Like maybe it's talking to a therapist, if you, if it's something that's accessible to you or looking for some kind of professional sport. It's probably looking at, you know, non-food ways to cope with certain mm. things. Um, you know, maybe that's going for walks, maybe that's meditation, maybe that's, you know, playing a sport, maybe that's, um, you know, picking up boxing or taking out the aggression on a, you know, a boxing pad or something, you know, um, but and maybe point, maybe doing less too, right? Doing like, doing less, which is all yeah, like literally just taking rest, doing yeah. nothing, and yeah. not just doing less. I'll add to that, do nothing, like find yeah. a moment to do nothing. And that that one do nothing is something that's very hard for a lot of us to do. Yeah. Like I will not move further if I do nothing. No, you will kind of give yourself some energy if you do nothing. Yep. Provided, here's the thing, there's also this whole concept that not all of us have the luxury of doing nothing. And that's a reality because, you know, mm. we all don't have the same access. We don't have this, all have the same privileges. So Absolutely. being mindful of that is also something that I try to be and also share because there's this concept that you have 100% control over everything about your health. And mm. on the con- while there are things you do have control about, there are also still things that a lot of people do not have control over external circumstances there's life yeah so being mindful of that as well but the idea there is that it's not a matter of if though regarding your you know the checks that you need need to make it's a matter of when i'll use my example of that burnout like i i felt real crispy around the edges but i was like i'm gonna keep i gotta keep going i gotta keep going but you know when you're exhausted all the time when you're having skin breakouts when yeah maybe your period has changed maybe you know you're having headaches all the time it is a sign and your body is smart i always say this and people's like is it though i'm (laughs) like uh yes Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shanique, thank you so much for sharing all of this beautiful wisdom with the listeners and with me. Um, Yeah, thank you. Where can people find you? I've kind of given you some shout outs, but yeah, can you tell us your Instagram handle, Twitter, whatever, all those things? Yeah, so (laughs) you can find me on Instagram at Shanique Allen underscore. Um, It's the same on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, Shanique, Shanique Allen coaching. You can find me on Facebook that way. Um, to work with me, clients can go to my website and book a call. Well, actually it's an application. So if, you know, either application is just the first step, 
regardless of whether or not you choose to move forward or we choose to move forward. The idea is application is one way for me to get a pulse on where you're at, but also to give you an idea of whether or not this is the work that you want to do or need to do, or that this is the kind of support you need for the next phase of whatever your, um, your journey or your health, your wellness journey is. Okay. All right, great. And I'll put all those links for everyone in the show notes so you can go there if you'd like to connect with Shanique. Shanique, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Carrie, and I just wanted to drop in quickly to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and head on over to www.28ish.com to sign up for our newsletter. And remember, your cycle is more than your period. Bye!